right, everyone. Welcome into episode 17 of Without a Mic podcast, the podcast where we go over movies, TV shows, uh, and industry updates and live topics. Today, this is episode 17, and we have sort of a an Oscar recap, reactions, and then a little bit of an interesting conversation that uh, Spencer brought up right before we started this about who had the best 2021. We'll go into more more into that in a minute. And then we'll go over sort of what we've been watching lately um, and what we're looking forward to. So we did take last week off. Spencer and I were both traveling. We're back. We're back to our weekly schedule. So you should be getting regular without a mic every week going forward. So let's get into it. Yeah, I feel like last week was a little wild because like you said, you know, I, I flew from Salt Lake City to Virginia. You flew from Florida to Utah and then drove back to Florida which is kind of wild. And then throughout the time, it was funny because we watched the Oscars and I remember texting you after and I was like, dude, all this happened. You're like, wait, 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 I'm driving. Like, I need to look at this, which (laughs) Roger's a safe person. So don't worry about that. But once, once you finally understood what was going on, you're like, wait, what? You know, like, so funny enough, before we go into kind of the, like the, the Oscars review, Oscars review, um, it's funny. This is the first year that I've watched it all the way from start to finish. Like, and I even started it from like the previews, you know, from like the 30 minutes before where they did the red oh, the carpet party. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. dude, like, and this is probably obviously because we do our podcast and I make my TikToks and, you know, film reviews and whatever the case may be, but it was so enjoyable. Like even, even the categories that I probably did not care for at all. Just, just the show, like just the show that they were putting on, the performances, the musical performances, the tributes to The Godfather to 007. They had a lot mm-hmm. going on that was very enjoyable to watch. And I tried to do the same thing with the Grammys last night, and I think I easily felt that disconnect between my my passion for music and my passion for film. And so I had a great time watching the Oscars. There's a lot that we took away from it. Um, but you know, I think we can start with the Will Smith situation. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the big thing. I mean, I know we've talked about it individually and, you know, I've made an update on that, but what was your take with the, with, with the Will Smith situation? What, what's kind of your perspective on it? Well, and, and we're doing this, you know, a week and change removed from that. So, you know, obviously the internet had fun with that. I've seen a lot of memes and and YouTube videos and and GIFs and stuff of making fun of it. And obviously that was the biggest takeaway, which in some ways I think is sort of a sad reality. It's like, you know, we went through, you know, this whole Oscars and everyone takes away this one act of irresponsibility and and unnecessary violence. Um, I think it was unnecessary. I think it was um, immature, you know, I think, obviously I think Chris Rock making jokes and stuff like that, you go to the Oscars and you sort of expect that. Did he take the Jada Smith joke too far? Maybe yes, maybe no. You know, I think that's up to interpretation. You could tell she wasn't too happy with it. Um, but for Will Smith to go up and, and slap him, I don't think that was justified in any way. And unfortunately that was the big takeaway from the night when there were so many movies, um, and so many people that were being, you know, respected and honored for all the work they've done. So I think overall, it was just a big, unfortunate blemish on the whole event. Um, But fortunately, you know, as we'll get to in a minute, there's a lot of wins that I think were monumental and that we both were a fan of and appreciated and were excited for. But, you know, that's sort of my takeaway. What What did you think of the Will Smith incident? 
Yeah, I thought, I mean, it was, you know, as I was watching it initially, I think the, the first reaction was, was that fake? You know, like, because yeah. the talk about the Oscars it's up Hollywood. until the actual Oscar event was that the, mm-hmm. the ratings were down. They've been going down for years and years and years. And so in my opinion, I was like, wow, this is a great act to bring those reviews, or, I mean, to bring those ratings up. And then, you know, the more you look at it, right. the more you go on Twitter and people are kind of freaking out. And then Will Smith winning best um, actor in a leading role and giving his speech and actually apologizing and being uncomfortable about it, that's what solidified telling me, oh, this was real. And so what that what that did for me, because you're right, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of memes and a lot of different circumstances happening. I think at the end of the day, both individuals were in the wrong. One just decided to act a little bit worse than the other. And yeah, I, what's unfortunate is that, in my opinion, Will Smith selfishly stole the show from a remarkable year at the Oscars. One that was probably right. one of the most unique Oscar events in the history of, of you know, this show being televised. And it's completely overlooked by that one incident, which is exactly what you mentioned. You know, when we think of these names, which we will expand on in a, in a second, but we think of Coda. You know, we think of the Williams sisters and, you know, their you know, pretty much their recognition for their father. Um, He did resign from Mm -hmm. the Academy, by the way, which most people don't fully understand what that means. Um, When I first read it, I was like, oh my God, does that mean that he's like not coming back anymore? All it really means is he can definitely be nominated. He can definitely go and attend the the Oscars, but he cannot vote uh, for any film or any production moving forward unless he's reinstated. So, I mean, I... Will Smith is taking, you know, obviously the, the, the appropriate actions now, but it sucks that it took a very selfish action to, you know, kind of bring those, um, I don't know, those apologies to light. So, yeah, an unfortunate event, but, yeah. you know, we got to move forward from it. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think the word selfish fully encapsulates that because, again, like, and just the fact that he won, like you said, best best actor um no one remembers that no one will ever remember that from this oscars so in a way he was so selfish that he even robbed himself of that moment so um and i believe he was the, definitely i think a tragedy i believe he was the fifth uh like the fifth person of color to ever win that award which is monumental right i mean that's that's the direction that right hollywood and actually everybody you know any 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 culture pop culture media we're, we're moving in this direction of equality and, and wanting to recognize art as it is, regardless of color of your mm-hmm. skin or whatever the case may be. We want to recognize art. And so him winning that award was such a monumental thing, which goes in line with CODA and the, the deaf you know, community, which goes in line with any blind actor or actress. You know, like that's it's so monumental. But then it's overlooked by a selfish act that, you know, we we see in movies, you know, a selfish act that we see on the streets, a selfish act that, you know, it's just something that you don't want to portray at the Academy. And so, yeah, it was just all unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think we've said enough about that. Let's move on to the sort of our, our thoughts on the winners. Um, obviously if you've listened to the show, you know, Spencer and I were big fans of Dune. We were big fans of Coda. Um, there's a couple other things that we were a big fan of, and you know dune and coda really were the oscars at the end of the day like that came down to it you know dune took away six oscars won every category it was nominated in and coda won best picture 
Best Supporting Actor with Troy Kotsur, who we both really appreciated his work. He won a SAG Award for that as well. Um, what were your thoughts overall on sort of the winners, Dune, Coda, everything? Absolutely loved it, dude. I So I totally thought Power of the Dog was going to win um, more Same. than it did. They only and, won, and what, two? They won one, I believe. One? I believe they won Jane Best Campion Director. won for Best Director. That's that's mm-hmm. all I know. I mean, maybe that's I need to right. look it up. But, and what's funny is, in my opinion, if, if uh, Denis Villeneuve was um, nominated as, as Best Director, I think he would have won. That's the funny thing. So You're right. They, they might have gone you know, Oscar-less <laughs> if Denis Villeneuve was actually nominated. But I was so happy for this because, yes... The Power of the Dog mm-hmm. is a beautiful film. You know, it's a very, very slow burner. It's it's one that confuses many people. The 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 very intimate details is what makes that film, you know, remarkable in its own way. But Coda is blatantly authentic. It's blatantly emotional. You right. feel something there. And then Dune is blatantly cinematic and blatantly incredible. So you you feel those instantly when you watch those. So the fact that Coda won in every category that was nominated and then Dune won six Oscars in my opinion and my question to you is you know with with Dune winning six Oscars is that what solidifies Dune being a franchise in the making similar to Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, these other films, you know, is that is that the starting point? Is this now officially the road toward hey, we can make five to 10 films if we want to. I think that's a great question. I think Dune has the juice now to do that. And I know they've, that we've talked about what they've talked about, which is the, you know, Dune part two is obviously being made. You know, they're adding some big name actors, Florence Pugh. Um, I think it's Anthony Baker from the Elvis movie. Oh, Austin Butler. Um, and then obviously, Austin, yeah, sorry, Austin Butler. So, uh, and then, you know, there's been talk of Dune Messiah, which is the second book being made into a third movie. Um, that one's pretty. Sh- that one's pretty short. And I actually read that on my drive back from uh, Salt Lake City to Orlando last week. Very strange. You know, interesting. I could see them making a movie about it, and it would totally work with the style they've got going on. But I don't see Dune as ever being as sort of emotionally and magically bringing people in like a star wars or a lord of the rings or a marvel or a harry potter it's just not it's not that kind of story it's Mm. i think they can keep making films and that they'll be amazing they have a great cast the visuals the cinematography the the music the sound everything dune won oscars for none of it was for the acting none of it was for the story none of it was for you know that side of things it was all about the visuals and the sound and i think if they keep doing it it will become a brand of like you got to go see the new dune movie like it's going to look amazing and it's going to sound amazing and we have a great cast it's not nothing against the cast but the, the story isn't about them it's about arrakis and or dune so i think they have the juice you know winning six oscars is is no small feat and so i think that can propel it forward they probably have the freedom to make as many as they want now um, and if they just keep continuing to put out a high quality product i think that it will happen um but i like i said i don't ever see it being as iconic as star wars and the people aren't going to go out and dress up as dune characters for halloween and you know buy merch like that it's just not going to move the needle like that now um, i will say not but, that there's not that there's any uh you know maybe 
parallel here or anything, but Star Wars: mm-hmm. A New Hope. So the yeah, the first Star Wars ever made won six Oscars, and none of them were for directing or acting. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it's kind of intriguing. But you're right. I, I will say to your to your credit, I think the storyline of Star Wars is so much more in depth, and they had so they still have so much that they could work off of. Where Dune will always be right. remembered for the cinematic journey. That's that's what it's going to be remembered for because it's so utterly beautiful. And we're in 2022. We're not in 19 what 74. Is that when it was made? 77. Yeah. Yeah. 1977. We're not. We're 77. in completely different realms of opportunity and special effects. And Dune is, you know, they they kind of in, in cap, they kind of captured that all and said, hey, this is what we're going to provide you, rather than the acting, you know, as we saw in Tammy Faye with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield as we Mm -hmm. saw in tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington, you know, like that's not the focal point. It's the worlds that you're envisioning. That's the focal point. Well, and star Wars is a character driven story and Dune is a world driven story. So that's the problem, you know? So I think, I mean, it's not a problem. It's just they're different styles, but that's why I don't see Dune becoming that iconic in that way. You know, it'll always be, look great and it will sound great but like i said you're not really connecting with the characters because the books weren't written that way and they're staying true to the books when they're making these movies so you know they're which is great you know they're trying to represent the story in the way it want it was supposed to be told awesome but it's not you're not you know people aren't going to connect with um paul atreides like they did with luke skywalker it's just not it's not the point so Overall, though, super happy for Dune, though, winning every category it was nominated in. I think it deserved all of them. And I remember when we were doing our, our Oscar predictions, we were like, okay, this category, I'm going to go with Dune. You know, I think we picked, I think we both picked, almost picked Dune to win every category. And even the categories where we didn't pick Dune, though, like one or two of them, I was still like, ah, I kind of want to pick Dune. So I yeah. felt like I was being overly generous. And then it, ended up winning so i was i guess we weren't overly generous we were pretty accurate on that so i'm looking at our our preview list and and once again we're not going to go through all of this but i i'm just curious Mm -hmm. to look at which ones you know which picks or which winners um was i genuinely surprised by and i would say honestly like as i'm going through this jessica chastain winning for eyes of tammy faye was probably in my opinion one of the biggest surprises of the entire night um, once and Agreed. I will say I haven't seen the eyes of Tammy Faye. I I have heard good Neither things from the very few people that I know that have seen it. Um, but that was one that really caught my attention. And then I will say Dune winning over Spider Man No Way Home for visual effects was pretty surprising for me. Um, I remember sitting there like, whoa, okay, like you know the movie that caught everybody's attention, broke every record during coronavirus kind of just got shafted on the only hope it ever had to win an Oscar. Um, <laughs> and um, and then I'd say, you know, best picture, I did think that Power of the Dog was going to win, but I was so, so happy when Coda won. Like, I was overly, oh, overly happy when Coda won because I thought it was between Coda, Power of the Dog, and Belfast. And, and I really didn't enjoy the other two films like I enjoyed Coda. Like, the other two films were just beautiful you know like in their own way but like this story of coda was so well done and you actually like want to go see it again you know if you'll probably watch it again in your lifetime i don't think i'll ever watch the power of the dog again or belfast 
but they were beautiful films. No. So I'll watch any, Coda multiple a, times. Any any large or any like huge surprises that kind of struck your attention? Um, I was gonna say, well, one that was really surprising was uh, is it Ariana Debois? Debose? Yeah, Debose. Yeah, that's who I chose. It, it, she wasn't initially invited to the Oscars, but she won Best Supporting Actress. So I, that was sort of a surprise because I, I remember it came out and that was sort of a big talking point was that she hadn't uh, been invited and she was oh, just no, kind of no, like, no. Well, that I'm was a, gonna... That was Rachel Zegler. So that was the main actress of, the, of West Side Story. Oh, was it? I thought yeah, she, I thought yeah, it was, yeah. Because Rachel, uh, I it was <laughs> Rachel her. Zegler wasn't invited, and then <laughs> she ended up presenting at the Oscars literally a week after oh. she made those comments, which was so funny to me. But yeah, I got it mixed up. Yeah, Rachel's like, okay, yeah, that's right. So n- my bad then. Never mind. Um, <laughs> no, I I honestly was surprised that Coda won. That was who I wanted to win, but I, you know, I thought Power the Dog would win. You know. It got so many nominations, and the fact that it came away with Best Director, which you and I both predicted as well, um, was that was the biggest surprise, was just how, I think it had a, was it nine, 11? It was nine, nine, I think it was nine nominations for Power of the Dog, and it got one win, Um, which, you know, like you said, it's a testament to the film. It was still a great film, but I think what, what made me excited was, you know, obviously we both loved Dune, we both loved Coda. Uh, what what we learned was, you know, you should take risks and go for those passion projects because Coda was a passion project. It was, you know, we talked about this as well, but all the on-site um, interpreters were Codas, you know, child children of deaf adults. Uh, they had a very small budget. They had a very, you know, small cast. And so, you know to go out and make Coda with a small budget, got bought by Apple, breaks all these records, wins Best Picture, wins a SAG Award. Um, All these things are just, you know, a testament to, like, if you love film and if you love art and if you love creating things, like, make something that you love and that you're passionate about, um, that you, not even just that you're passionate about, but, like, do something that you believe in. Dune, same thing. It's like, you know, we're going to make, you know, Hans Zimmer and Denis Villeneuve, they they loved the dune books and the story so they were like we're gonna make this as great as we can and and honor that story and that was just cool for me to see you know as you know we do this podcast because we love it you know this is as as much or more for us than it is for people listening and so i think that was just such a cool validation to see these passion projects like dune and coda get put out there you know they they probably weren't worried about oscars when they made these they probably weren't thinking about it but that show came through and showed like the passion and the hard work and the, the emotion that was put into these, these stories and these movies really came through and, and that was rewarded with a bunch of Oscars. Um, that was the coolest part for me. I don't think you could have said it any better. I mean, to be honest, well, by the way, Power of the Dog had 12 Oscar nominations and they won one. So kind of a, I mean, crazy, right? Cause that's, that's huge in itself that they got it nominated crazy. 12 times. Um, I'm sure they are a little bit disappointed, but they're probably equally happy that they had 12 nominations in the first place, um, especially as oh, a low-budget yeah. film. You know, they weren't a large-budget film by any means. Um, but what I was going to say is, you mentioning that about passion is exactly the way that I've 
obviously on a very smaller scale, you know, me doing the film updates on TikToks, you know, us doing these podcasts. I genuinely don't care how many people listen to our podcast, how many people watch my TikToks, because I love the info that I'm sharing. It's literally because I love doing mm-hmm. it that I'm doing it. But, you know, so many times, and I don't mean to kind of tailor this to like a serious conversation, but so many times when we work, we do it out of the obligation for money and we try to make as much money as possible. Whereas if it was a passion project, you'd, you would do your best simply because you love doing it. And then good results will probably end up following because you just end up doing this re- repetition and you start building on it. You start mastering a craft. And so the fact that, you know, Denis Villeneuve said, I love Dune and it has been terrible up to this point but i just love it and i'm gonna make it and i don't even know if it's gonna be well received or not because people don't know this book and if they know it they know it from the previous on-screen adaptations that weren't well done and he said i'm gonna make it and he made it so well and that's the same thing with coda i mean sean heater i think they said they had like two weeks to film or something like that it wasn't long at all and and she just really wanted to make this story and I was listening to her on a podcast and she just said they went through hell and back, you know, with the, with the, like they literally walked up to fishers on their boats and said, Hey, we're making a movie. Is there any way you'd be willing to take us out on your boat so that we can film on your boat? Like they had to like beg people. And it's funny cause they just won best picture at the Oscars, literally best picture. <laughs> and this is a group of people begging fishermen if they could use their boats and their tools and, and whatever the case may be. And so following a passion project is so undervalued because people over speak about, Oh, follow your passions, do this. But they don't, they don't ever talk about the reality of you. That will always be your best work. Your passion projects will always mm-hmm. be your best work because it's the work that you genuinely want to do. So I think it showed in Dune, it showed in Coda, it showed in many films, but I think those two were definitely great examples. Yeah, and honestly, you know, well said, absolutely, like, you know, whoever you are and whatever you're, you know, whatever you're into, who's listening, you know, do what you're passionate about, you know, don't worry about the money or the fame or, you know, all those other things, just do what you're passionate about and, you know, that's the fulfillment you need along the way, you know, that's, that's what it's really all about. Um, But I was going to say too, you know, looking at those films winning, I got me thinking about what is the most passionate film that I've seen slash expect this year um, that could potentially win a bunch of Oscars that we don't see coming. You know, we I think there's sort of a a prototype that we've seen with mm. Oscars and and these big awards. You know, and there's sort of a lot of time these slow, deep like stories, and there's a lot of things going on. You know, Coda and and Dune were sort of an exception, I think, personally, from what we've seen win a lot. Um, and honestly, looking forward, I think that the Batman might actually win a couple Oscars more than people think, um, just because it kind of feels like that to me as well. It's like Dune and Coda was an adapted screenplay, so that story existed already. But um, Coda and, and Dune were remakes of something previous that you know, either had no impact or wasn't very good. And Batman has obviously been remade from both something that has been great with the Dark Knight trilogy, something that's been not great with some of the other Batman re-implementations, but that felt like a true passion project where everyone was bought in. You know, it it may not win Best Actor, but I think it might win a couple awards. Um, 
I, th- I think Oppenheimer obviously will be in the conversation for a lot of <laughs> a lot of Oscar nominations, but I would say for me, but that's next I'm going to keep an eye on the Batman going forward. That's next year. That's, they don't have yeah, to obviously for next year. Yeah, they don't have to. That, oh, Batman wait, doesn't I'll, have to worry about Oppenheimer. Oh, that's right. Oppenheimer comes out next year. Okay. Yeah. But so I keep your eye on the Batman. Maybe that. Yeah, you you made a good point because watching the Batman almost felt, and you know, we were much younger then, but it, it feels similar to when the dark Knight came out and we we're like, Oh my God, like a superhero film might actually be the best film that came out this year. And it was like, people were dumbfounded mm-hmm. by that idea because they're like, Oh, that's never going to happen. You know? And, and nobody from superhero films are ever going to win awards. And then lo and behold, Heath, Heath Ledger wins best actor. And then, you know, fast forward years later, Joaquin Phoenix wins best actor you know, and fast forward, the Batman is probably going to win a lot, whether it's in regards to the visuals, whether it's in regards to the sound, you know, it's going to win because it, like you said, Matt Reeves just loves this story. And I love, you know, Roger sent me this, this tweet where he said, Matt Reeves did not make this movie as a, you know, chapter one. He's like, no, I, I wrote this as a start to finish. It wrapped up, it solidified, but I'm very open to telling more stories, but I never wanted to say, oh, here's chapter one, we're going to leave you on a cliff, and then we're going to continue the story. He said, no, how about I just give you the full story, and then if we like it, I will continue writing into this universe because there is a lot to say. And I really like that because people don't think that way. They say, hey, if, I got, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm greenlit for two or three films, I'm going to deliberately leave you on this cliff, which we saw with Marvel, and they did a great job, but if you think of Avengers Infinity War probably one of the biggest cliffhangers in, you know, film history and you're just dying, you know, for the next film, but not almost in an authentic way. You're dying because you just want to know what happens. Whereas the Batman, I'm very excited for the next adaptation, mainly because the story was so well done. Not that I'm itching to know like, right. what's the cliffhanger or what, you know, what's the answer, but more just, I want more of the story. So I think that's a great, uh, that's a great pick or a great, you know, thought in regards to, next year's oscars because the batman is one of those projects and there are there are films being announced by the day that i'm so intrigued by that are coming out this year that have not been on the list of announcements um but i think marvel and dc kind of flood that that world a little bit because if you think of the animated spider-man that's coming out this year thor love and thunder doctor strange in the multiverse you know there's so many i'm not going to name them all but they flood the box office so that's going to be something to keep an eye on yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Oscar-wise, you know, again, super happy for Coda, super happy for Dune. You know, I think, I think, moving on from the whole Will Smith incident, that's, I think, that's what people remember. And if you haven't seen Dune or Coda, Spencer and I both highly recommend both of those, um, especially since they've won Oscars. Uh, you can see Dune on HBO Max, and you can see Coda on Apple TV Plus. So check those out and let us know your thoughts on the Oscar winners and who you were excited to see win, if there's someone you wanted to see win. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah, and, and Code is actually in theaters for a limited time uh, with, with subtitles. That's right. So that's actually really cool because I would have loved, I mean, any, any theatrical experience is always going to be better in my opinion. But yeah, check it out. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, both platforms offer quite a few uh, great con- you know, pieces of content, which we will always touch on at the end of every episode. Uh, but the one thing that, you know, we want to discuss, and I brought this idea to Roger, because I was going through Oscar, you know, the, the review of the Oscars and kind of going through all the surprises and whatnot. And I was like, you know what, who had the best year of 2021? You know, who had the best year in acting? 
male and female. And, and you know, for me, it's always going to be individualized and personal. But, you know, for me, it came down to kind of who came out of their shell and, and did as much as they could with high quality content rather than somebody saying, hey, you know, I starred in one film or one, you know, TV series or whatever the case was. And so I want to get your takes on this, Roger. I want to hear. So we'll start with best uh, best acting, male acting. Um, so I'll give you my list, and then I'll kind of tell you some things that they were involved with. Okay. So I have Andrew Garfield on this list, Benedict Cumberbatch, Tom Holland, Timothy Chalamet, and Adam Driver. And I might be missing somebody, but so Andrew Garfield, obviously, Tick, Tick, Boom, Spider-Man: No Way Home, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And then I put this on here, even though it did not come out, but he is starring in the upcoming Under the Banner of Heaven, which is very highly anticipated. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Coming out on Hulu at the end of this month. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Spider-Man No Way Home, a bigger role in Spider-Man No Way Home, The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, and What If, Tom Holland, Spider-Man No Way Home, Cherry and Chaos Walking, Timothy Chalamet, Dune, French Dispatch, Don't Look Up. Adam Driver, The Last Duel, House of Gucci, and the musical Annette. So what are your thoughts? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I will say, when, when I was thinking of this list, the very first name that came to my mind was Andrew Garfield because I haven't seen him in so long, and then he came out of nowhere with so much and, and really good content at that. It wasn't just like cheap thrills. You know, his performance in mm -hmm. Tick, Tick, Boom was, in my opinion, the best performance of the year as a male actor. Spider-Man No Way Home, he was the one person that everybody was talking about after the film. The eyes of Tammy Faye, Jessica Chastain, cannot stop talking about how perfect he was as a male counterpart. And then we don't know what's going to happen with Under the Banner of Heaven, but I have pretty high hopes. But I want to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I actually, when you first asked me that, he was the very first person I thought of and like a millisecond behind him was Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, that's, that's what I got. I think, I think for all the reasons you said, and then also Benedict Cumberbatch, obviously he showed so much range with the power of the dog. I think he'll at some point win an Oscar for best at male actor. Um, in a fully deserving. Role. I think he's totally deserving. I think, you know, it, I think it was, I think we, we talked about this before, but Will Smith did a good job, you know, he was kind of a favorite anyway, but Benedict Cumberbatch, just the range he shows, like every role he takes is so different and he nails all of them perfectly from Doctor Strange to Power the Dog to, you know, all these, he's played a lot of obscure roles too, but Smaug um, in Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, you know, just everything he does is just, he nails it. So I think, like you said, just because Andrew Garfield sort of came out of nowhere a little bit, I think that was for me the, the number one, but I would have to give Benedict Cumberbatch the number two. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm right in the same boat. I want to ask you in regards to female actor, before I list out who I have, who's the first name that comes to your mind? Cause this one was so difficult, like exceptionally difficult. And mainly because a lot of my quote unquote favorite female actors of 2022 only showed up in one or two things and so i'm, I'm very curious to know uh who's the name that comes to your to your mind honestly you you mentioned that and i still haven't figured out who <laughs> it was i 
I and if you want, I can name these, and so you can kind of simmer your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, list them. List okay. them. Give me some help. <laughs> okay, so I have I I put Kate Blanchett. She shows up in Don't Look Up and Nightmare Alley as two major supporting mm-hmm. actress roles. Jessica Chastain, who did win Best Female Actor um, in a Leading Role. Right. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, The Forgiven, and Scenes from a Marriage. I have Jodie Comer on here, The Last Duel, and Free Guy. Um, Frances McDormand, who won Best Female Actor last year. She's in The Tragedy of Macbeth and The French Dispatch. And then this one was surprising to me, but very impressive. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's probably Leah Sado. She's the female counterpart in No Time to Die, the blonde woman. She's also in The French Dispatch, oh. Deception, The Story of My Wife, and France, which are all decently highly rated um, with, with authenticity. So that was probably the surprise one for me. But, I mean, she's been putting herself in a position to succeed. But this one was so hard. Like, as you could tell from this list, I mean... My personal favorite is is Jody, Jody Comer. You know, like she, in my opinion, mm-hmm. has so much potential to be top five best actresses moving forward. But then you look at Jessica Chastain and the work that she did. You look at Kate Blanchett, who's one of my personal favorites. I don't know, and so I'm curious if there's anybody out of that list or anybody that's not on that list that you think had the best 2021 as a female actor. I honestly can't pick. There's, <laughs> I think female actors are just killing it as a group. You know, yeah. there's so many good ones right now. And I I honestly cannot pick. I, I recently watched Spencer. Uh, Kristen Stewart was incredible in that. I watched the, Finish the Lost Daughter. Olivia Coleman was amazing in that. Um, two, I think two great names, also, by the way, that only had one performance in 2021. Right. And that's the thing is it's like, there wasn't anyone that hit like two, three home runs, like everybody was hitting home runs. And so, um, I mean, and just as a side note, like how awesome is it for Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson Amazing. to kind of have this big resurgence of wait, Oh, they can do more than twilight. Amazing. Um, b- both of them almost around the same time, just hit these home run movies that people are actually taking them seriously and they can show their actual range. Um, but I, I honestly can't pick one. I think everyone who is nominated for Best Actress, the ones I've seen and the ones I haven't, all well-deserving of, of, of a great 2021, um, and then a couple that weren't. But I think everyone you listed and, and the couple that I mentioned, you know, and there's even more, it's just it's just crazy. You know, they all, they're all Zendaya, you could throw her name in there. Yeah, um, and if, if Euphoria, Euphoria was Dune. 2021, I would have thrown her in there. But it's technically 2022, yeah, so like, that's why I didn't. That's but true. yeah, she, she also had a great year because <laughs> she was in Dune, Spider-Man No Way Home. She, like, she right. still had a great year in acting. I think I'm going to edge it to between Kate Blanchett and Jodie Comer because their two films that they were both in were very well made. So Don't Look Up and Nightmare Alley were both Oscar-nominated films for Best Picture. And she did a phenomenal job in both of them. I wasn't a fan of Don't Look Up, but she did such a great job. And her her acting in Nightmare Alley was just phenomenal. And then Jodie Comer, I mean, Free Guy is such a beloved film. She does a great job in that one. But mm-hmm. really, The Last Duel is what like just blew my mind with her acting performance. So I think I might have to edge it to Kate Blanchett. But once again, you nailed it on the head. This is such a difficult list. These These actresses, especially actresses today, are so incredibly talented. I, I can't pick. So I think I might edge it to Kate Blanchett, but that's that's a tough choice. 
yeah, overall, I just feel blessed to, to watch all these movies and, and films and TV shows and just see how, how great acting truly is and how great the yes. industry is. You know, there's, there's just so much and how fiercely competitive these Oscars were and how unpredictable, you know, it, it kind of had everything, you know, it had some underdogs, it had some favorites, it had, you know, new people, some, some old people we've seen. So overall, just a great year. And I, I honestly think 2022 will be better. Um, there's Which is difficult to say, so right? Much, <laughs> it's difficult to say, but I mean, you know, it's creative people are just continuing to be creative and we're all benefiting. So, you know, well, what have you been watching, man? That, I so. mean, obviously you and I are, are watching a lot. So TV wise, film wise, what's, yes. what's even on your radar moving forward? What have you been watching? So ironically enough, like the one thing that I keep going back to is I just want to watch the Batman again. Like it's, it's been on my brain since I watched it and I want to go back to the theater and watch it. I don't know if that'll happen. Have you only seen it, it once this month on streaming? I've only seen it once. Yeah. But I've seen so much content on it at this point. I feel like I've seen it twice, but, um, <laughs> I definitely want to see that again. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I've got a, my wife got me this amazing OLED TV for Christmas and I can't wait to watch it with like pure black OLED visuals. Wow. At home. You don't have to throw that in my face. It's, all right. Hey, it's, you know, one time when you come visit me, I'll, I'll give you the experience, but just for, you know, it made that Lord of the Rings episode or not Lord of the Rings. It made that game of Thrones, uh, final season episode, the long night actually watchable. So, um, <laughs> get an OLED TV if you care about that stuff, but uh, no, what I've been watching lately is honestly a lot of TV shows. I think you, you mentioned the same. Um, there's just not a lot of movies out right now. We've got Ambulance coming out, and we've got uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. I am intrigued um, by that one, by the way. But Yeah, same. I want to see it. Uh, Morbius has, has come out, but none of those movies is really like driving people to the theater. No, um, I've heard Morbius isn't very good, which is not a surprise to me. But sixteen percent um, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it went down. It was at eighteen when I last checked. Yeah, but, sixteen. Um, that's that's yeah, it's like unbearable. It's almost as bad as the Fantastic yeah, Four, which has a nine percent rating. Ooh, that's pretty high for Fantastic Four. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Honestly, I've watched, I've started a lot of shows. I have, there's a lot going on right now. So, um, se first of all, I'm going to keep plugging my way at this, but Severance, the final episode comes out this week of season one. This might be the craziest show I've ever seen. Like it really, is, it is hitting on certain things that it's hard to explain. There's just such an intense, but yet normal way that it goes about itself like if you have not seen severance this is a great time to start binging it because um thursday night friday morning is when episode nine will come out and that will conclude season one um, i'm pretty sure they're going to do another one but you can you can watch it all now you're not going to miss anything um or be left waiting but severance might be my show of the year like it's a little early wow. ba currently batman is my favorite movie of the year severance is my favorite show of the year It'll be hard to topple either of those, but Severance, I I can't even begin to describe it to you. You have to just go see it for yourself. Um, that's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I started We Crashed. Um, I've only seen the first episode, but I want to finish that. I know it's four episodes. Um, I started. I watched the first two episodes of Slow Horses. Um, that's one on uh, Apple TV+, Plus, starring Gary Oldman. 
Um, it's sort of about a like reject spy group for um, the. Um, it's it's sort of like okay, like these people who are kind of screw ups, they get thrown in this slow horses division where they just rot away. And Gary Oldman's kind of this old guy who just doesn't care about anyone, and he just doesn't want to do anything. And so one of the one of the people in that group starts trying to figure out some deeper stuff going on with this ongoing case. And so I've really enjoyed that so far. Um, I believe that one's going to be six episodes. So a new one will be releasing weekly. I've watched Moon Knight. Um, I've watched, uh, I'm about halfway through the first episode of Halo. And um, there was something else. Oh, and I just, last night, uh, my wife and I just finished watching uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor. So, oh, how did you like that compared to Haunting of Hill House? It was different, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hill House was done Hill so House, well. So, I mean, that's that's a tough one to go up against. Well, it was just so different. Like it was, they, there was a lot of the same cast involved, but the message and the feel was just so dramatically different, and the ending was so. I'm I, like I said. I'm still trying to process it. Hill House felt like the ending was very like it was supposed to be sort of happy, almost like it was like there was sort of a nice, clean conclusion to like this family comes back together. You know, these relationships mm-hmm. sort of end at a good spot. Like you know, there's sort of this peace. Like we resolved things. Um, Bly Manor felt a little bit more unsatisfying and open ended, which I, I appreciate it, but I still don't know how to process it. So, okay. you know, there was still like an unfinished, some unfinished business that was, that there were certain characters' lives that just were not okay. Almost everyone ended up in a bad spot in some way. Um, and it felt like it was kind of trying to do the same thing a little bit of like, you know, there's some silver lining here, but I it, it didn't quite come through as well as Hill House. Um, but the haunts in that one were definitely very different. There's not quite so many jump scares and the ghosts are a little bit more developed and explained. So I don't know if that contributed to it, but it still felt Hmm. like there's a lot of stuff that just didn't quite have a nice bow wrapped around it, which again, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it was a different feel. So interesting. That's sort of all of my stuff. But what have you been watching? And then we can kind of talk about some of the things we've both seen. But yeah, I think, I think that's a great for idea. Me, Severance is the that's the big one I've seen that I know you're not caught up on. So I'm not going to spoil it, but I would highly recommend prioritizing that right now. That's yes. the best thing I've been watching. I just finished the first episode yesterday. So and it definitely it, it ends on a very much of a like a curious spot. So I, I am curious now moving forward. It. It's kind of a, it's a, it's not even a slow burner. It's a normal burner. Like that's the, I think you using the word normal was such a good word for this show because like the like normal aspect of it is huge. So I have been watching winning time. Um, it's about the Showtime Los Angeles Lakers on HBO max. And that is phenomenal. So the, the film style the story, I think I love the idea that they have not, they, they, the NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers have nothing to do with this show. And so it's all like Adam McKay, who does the big short, who did Don't Look Up. He directs 
you know, some of these, uh, Jonah Hill directs some of them. Like it's really authentic and it's very raw and it's very explicit, but it's a really well-made. Um, I just barely finished the first season of Bel Air. So it's pretty much a modern take of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And it was nice. very well done. I was very much a fan of that, that show. Um, Ken's and I loved it. We literally binged, I think like four or five episodes on Saturday because we were just like, we want to keep watching. Um, I did watch the first episode of Moon Knight, which we can t- we can touch on in a second. I'm all cut up on yep. Halo. I'm on, on yeah. So there's two episodes that have come out. They come out every Thursday, um, and mm-hmm. I, that one's a little bit tricky because they definitely have the budget for this, and you can tell like it's it's definitely a lot better looking than you probably imagine that it would be. But I think as you know, if you've watched the first episode. Their their focus isn't really on the acting. It's it's kind of more on the like let's show you this not world at all. that is yeah exactly. So let's show you this world which is beautiful, but yeah the acting is is a little bit poor and that's kind of a, a you know sore spot there. But um, I I did watch the first episode of We Crashed and Severance and that's kind of where I'm at on TV series right now. Nice yeah I think just to kind of quickly echo what you said with Halo because it's still ongoing but. I think that one is, you can tell, I I think it's hard. Video game adaptations don't typically do well. And I think that's just because there's a certain feeling you get from playing a game versus watching someone else play Mm. it. And I know that people watch streamers and things like that, but people watch streamers because the streamers are commentating. They're part of the, the entertainment experience. And so when you try to take the experience of playing Halo and make it watchable and obviously they didn't do a big like they didn't really care about who the actors were for this there were a couple like notable actors of course um, but overall it's kind of like check out this video game that's a movie and and it, it just kind of feels like it's missing something and I think it's that interaction with it that video games provide um, so overall, I like you said, it's it's one of those things you'll watch and you'll be like, eh, you know, that was kind of cool to see in real life, but I don't think it's going to be yeah. very memorable. There's a nostalgic aspect that I think people enjoy, which I also enjoy. Like when I see the vehicles and I see the, the worlds and I see the guns that, you know, I, I'm familiar with from the games, there's an excitement there right. that kind of masks that, like, that gap that's missing with the acting, but it's still very noticeable, so... If you're a fan of Halo, I think there's a part of you that will really enjoy the nostalgic aspect of it, but that will equally be disappointed from like the storytelling and like the acting and the portrayal. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued by it. I'll continue watching it. Moon Knight, how about that? First episode came out last week. This one is uh, it's intriguing. Ooh. It's uh, it's different. It has a different feel. This, you know what this reminds me of? And I think I told you this. It reminds me of the feeling I felt when I watched the first episode of WandaVision. And I was like, whoa, this is different. Like, this is not a Marvel yes. show. You know, it's like, it feels very different, which I absolutely like. If I'm feeling that, then I, I have high hopes for what the series is going to be. And Oscar Isaac playing three roles as one person is pretty awesome. So what were your thoughts on uh, episode one? Yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think kind of going back to why Halo... I think is failing where halo fails and a lot of things fail is that they rely on people just taking things for granted. Um, because halo sacrifices story and acting for visuals and nostalgia, 
which doesn't really work when you're watching a TV show or a movie, especially if it's a TV show, because you're watching, you know, eight, nine, ten episodes of this show that are an hour long, you know, that's, it gets bored, you know, you, you know, you find yourself on your phone at certain parts. Um, what Moon Knight did really well, and what Wanda did, WandaVision did really well, and what Loki did really well was, it, it, they made a story first, and then it became like a Marvel overlay, right? So, I think, that's another reason why I like certain movies. Like, I feel like Rogue One, they wrote the story, it was great, and then they fitted in the Star Wars, like, all around it. Whereas, that's why I think the, the Star Wars 7, 8, and 9, the most recent trilogy, was so bad for me, because I feel like they just did a bunch of fan service and then tried to piece a story together afterwards. And so I feel like Moon Knight has that storyline laid out, they have a great actor, um, and then they sort that sort of uh, you know put it put it together in a nice way that feels fresh. Um, I really liked sort of the Jekyll Hyde aspect where you're only seeing Doctor Jekyll and sort of his side of waking up and being discombobulated and not knowing what happened and sort of fumbling through it. I think that was a really fresh take, and the editing of that was great, where he you sort of see these flashes, and then he just wakes up somewhere, yeah, not knowing what's going on. So. There's, there's definitely a mysterious aspect and not in your normal mysterious, you know, cause mysterious is normally like, Oh, like you kind of have an idea with this one. You're like, I kind of just don't really know what's happening at all, but I'm very much intrigued by it. And so I, I have high hopes for it. I'm very excited. I think in regards to film, we're kind of on the same bat, like we're kind of on the same level here. Like I watched the Adam project while I was in Virginia. Um, it was, oh, what'd you it think? was decently refreshing. Like it definitely had its moments where I was a little bit drawn out or I was a little bit, you know, like the, the kids acting, I think at times is like very much enjoyable. And then sometimes it's very much a little bit annoying, <laughs> but they, I see <laughs> yeah, what they were trying to do with him. Actors are. Yeah. I mean, they, they wanted him mm-hmm. to be this way. They wanted him to be this witty kid actor, which, you know, in, in the sense of the story, he did a great job. And so I think it was definitely a Sean Levy type film, which by the way, Sean Levy did Stranger Things, he did Free Guy. So it's very much that style of like, you feel nostalgic while you also love this like adventurous story. And it's definitely worth watching. So it kind of reminded me of the feeling I felt when I watched Uncharted. Cause Uncharted was like, oh yeah, this is entertaining, but it's not something that I'm like dying to say, this is the best movie or this is so well made. It was just like, oh yeah, this is like an adventurous movie that was entertaining. And that's how I felt about the Adam project. Yeah. I also watched that. And I, I think the message was really good at the end, you know, sort of the father son relationship. I think that message really carried through and it was nice that it, you know, we, we both expressed that we were left wanting with red notice, which is another Netflix film that was watched a lot. It wasn't really necessarily highly rated but a lot of people watched it and i think you know it's nice to see something that's got a little more substance to it than just an action plug so i agree that and that felt like a movie that could be in the theater and people would go watch it so oh a thousand percent and it was really cool seeing mark ruffalo and jennifer garner reunite you know from 13 going on 30 yeah that's kind of a that's a that's a cool you know situation if you've ever seen that movie it's you know their relationship in that one almost feels decently the same in this one so I, that, mm-hmm. was, that was really cool to watch. Um, do you have any pieces of content on your radar? Like anything that you're wanting to watch or that you're planning on watching? No, honestly, for me, the next big movie is going to be early in May with Multiverse of Madness. Um, they just released another 
smallish trailer this last week that had a little bit more content in it. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but we're really ramping up, you know, Moon Knight's going to carry through April and then it will finish right around the time that uh, Multiverse of Madness comes out. And then um, at least coming up from Marvel, we've got Miss Marvel. I think that's June 8th that that series starts. And then in September, we've got Thor Love and Thunder, which just wrapped up filming this week. And then um, we have, there's still a couple of shows that haven't been announced, but we've got She-Hulk coming up this year. Um, and then we have Wakanda Forever coming up in December, I believe. So that's sort of Marvel's plan. Um, I think those will be some of the biggest movies of the year. Um, but right now, there aren't a lot of movies that are just like massive movies that are on my radar. I'm more so focused on all the shows that are going on, catching up on some of them. Um, I'm going to be watching Slow Horses, finishing Severance, following Moon Knight, uh, finishing We Crashed, and um, you know maybe ca or I'll see if I finish Halo. I, I probably will, but <laughs> you're like not a I've priority. Got a lot of stuff but going on. <laughs> we'll see if it's happening. No, no, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of big movies, and I feel like May is going to be the start of it. I mean, summer is the the perfect time for movies. Summer and fall are kind of like your movie time. Summer and fall. So, I mean, the fact Holiday that we season. have had a dry first part of the year is completely normal. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by, I mean, my, my personal favorite genre is like thriller or psychological thriller. So I'm, I'm intrigued to watch Fresh on Hulu with Sebastian Stan. I've heard very intriguing comments about the film. Um, and then Deep Water as well on Hulu with Ben Affleck and, and Ana de Armas, which I've also heard some very intriguing comments. So those two kind of stick out. And then on Netflix, this is one that I've been intrigued by for a while, not because I think it's going to do well, just because it has quite a large cast, but it's called The Bubble. And it's actually like a film. Yes. Yeah, it's I do a film about them making a film during coronavirus or something like that. And so it has quite an extensive cast of individuals. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what it does. Yeah, that's thanks for reminding me. That's another one I have my eye on. Obviously, we have Under the Banner of Heaven coming out on Hulu. We've got Ozark um, coming out at the end of this oh, month. So excited um, for Ozark, dude. So excited. We've got Peaky Blinders coming out in a couple months, um, although we're trying to find a way to watch that beforehand. Um, <laughs> Stranger so, Things coming honestly, out in the end so of May. Honestly, there's so many. Stranger Things. Yeah, there's summer's going to be crazy with movies and shows, but right now I think it's TV show prime for April. Um, there aren't a lot of massive movies playing. Go see the Batman if you haven't. Still continuing to climb it past 700 million uh, a day or That's two wild. ago. So Good for them. It's still climbing. Uh, I think it's at 710 the last I checked, so definitely check out the Batman in theaters yeah. if you're looking for a, a great cinematic experience, but most of what's playing right now is going to be on your own TV. Yeah. It sounds like Roger's major, major recommendation is severance. I will recommend Easy. winning time as well as Bel Air. Actually um, winning time is more if you're like a sports fan and you kind of like the idea of it, but it's also super enjoyable. But Bel Air is more like a, you don't have to know anything to go into that one and enjoy it. So I'd say severance, nice. Bel Air and winning time are definitely like top of the line. And then, you know, stay up to date with moon Knight. I mean, it just started, but so far mm -hmm. so good. So We've got some yeah, good things going on. It's only on. six episodes. Yeah. But yeah, that is our episode for the week. Do you have any last minute comments? News? No, tits, no. Great, great like Oscar review. The Oscars were enjoyable. I'm glad that we can walk away knowing that it was a remarkable year for Coda, for Dune. Um, and it seems like we're going to get some good, uh, good content in the next coming months. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, again, let us know what you're watching. You know, right now with so much slow movement on the movie side and the theaters, let us know if there's any TV shows that we haven't talked about that we're missing. Let us know your thoughts on some of these shows, Halo, Moon Knight. You know, if you get a chance to watch Severance or Bel Air or Winning Time, you know, there's a lot going on right now. We'll be back next week with another episode. I haven't quite figured out what that will be yet, but there will be an episode. So enjoy the rest of your week, guys, and we will see you next time. Thank you.